Welcome back to the podcast of the Francis Asbury Society. This is episode 39, and today we're delighted to have Lane Lohman back to share a devotion with us. Lane shares from the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, looking at the book of Philippians especially, uh, and also just the characteristics that Paul uses to describe uh, his service to God. Uh, Enjoy this encouraging devotion, and thank you so much for stopping by. to do this, uh, to be a part of this group. I've always enjoyed our times together when I can be with you. I want to ask a rhetorical question uh, to begin. Uh, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Uh, we could all take time and share our feelings about that. But if I were to be asked that question, my immediate response would be, in the New Testament, it's the book of Philippians. The four chapters of the book of Philippians are just wonderfully encouraging to me. And uh, and when you talk about the book of Philippians, you must also see the book of Acts as a complement to Paul writing that book to the church at Philippi. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10 says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There's reason to believe that the church at Philippi might well be Paul's favorite church, his favorite congregation, uh, because it was founded, as we can see by that passage I just read, under the direct leadership of the Holy Spirit. And Paul might well have changed the course of history because he listened to the Holy Spirit, because when he went to Macedonia, the gospel moved that direction in the world. If it stayed where he was in Asia Minor, then the gospel would have moved in that direction. And But we know what happened as the gospel spread uh, across the, the world as a result of the Apostle Paul's leading, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You and I are able to uh, enjoy the gospel. We're the ones who sent the missionaries. Uh, as a result of that, I don't think that's any stretch to think about that, that uh, the gospel came to us as it did, maybe because the Apostle Paul followed the direct leadership of the Holy Spirit. And just an observation, our spiritual journey will get better as we listen and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We must be sensitive to his spirit. But there are additional reasons why I think the church at Philippi was Paul's favorite congregation. You recall, if you know the story out of the book of Acts, that he recorded his very first convert in Philippi. Her name was Lydia, a seller of purple. And whenever he went into Philippi, uh, he asked uh, where the Christians met because there was no synagogue in Philippi. And he was told that, well, they're down by the riverside. And he went down by the riverside. Maybe that's where the song came from. And he shared the gospel. And Lydia was the very first European convert. Another reason might be uh, the dramatic exorcism on the streets of Philippi when the damsel was heralding the fact that these were men of God, and Paul saw the discrepancy between what possessed her and her declaration, 
and he cast the demons out of that damsel. And then, of course, we all remember the conversion of the Philippian jailer and his family. And uh, another thing about the church at Philippi, uh, you'll find no doctrinal error addressed in writing to the church at Philippi. In other words, they believed right. And as a result of that, they lived right. They behaved right. And then there are terms of endearment that he uses when addressing the church at Philippi uh, that you don't find so much in the other letters that he wrote. And then, of course, there are those exhortations to rejoice. As a matter of fact, you'll find in the book of Philippians, those four chapters, uh, the word joy or rejoice or rejoicing 16 times. It's a book of joy. And the only place you'll find any kind of of rebuke, if you can call it that, was in the fourth chapter when he told the two ladies uh, to get along with one another. Stop being at odds with one another. Just get along with one another. Let's get on with the business of the kingdom. But when I look at uh, Paul, he is a model for joy. Uh, Another rhetorical question. If you could choose somebody from history to meet, hang out with, who would you choose? I, I have a uh, I, my uh, iPad is setting on the complete works of Oswald Chambers on my desk to hold it up in front of my computer screen, and my wife gave that to me as a gift, and I would love to have met Oswald Chambers. Uh, what a great man he was, and just might I recommend, if you've never read this book, I highly recommend the book. It's a remarkable writing about the life of Oswald Chambers titled Abandoned to God. And then the other person I would like to have met out of history would have been Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, just uh, to read uh, the book by Eric Metaxas about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Regrettably, as you probably know, uh, Oswald Chambers died at the age of 43. He did not want to take a bed. He was ministering to the soldiers in Egypt during World War I, and he came down with appendicitis and did not want to take a bed from any of the soldiers. They finally convinced him to go, and he successfully um, had the surgery, but then a blood clot uh, hit his lung, and he died at the age of 43 in the hospital in Egypt. And so he died so young, but left us so much because of the work of his wife, Biddy. Uh, recording all of the things that he said, writing them down. Then, of course, you know the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, how he he died at the age of 43. Uh, He had uh, been put in prison. It was in prison two years because he was aligned with the conspiracy that sought to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And Adolf Hitler actually signed his death warrant. And he was hung two weeks before the Allied uh, uh, conquered Germany and liberated Germany. But uh, what a man Dietrich Bonhoeffer was and continues to influence so many. But those are the two I'd like to admit. But I, I would like to have hung out with the Apostle Paul because his life was just fraught with adventure. Um, with uh, <clears throat> Listen to his resume. He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. He traveled the known world of his day, approximately 10,000 miles, according to some sources, He worked to support his ministry. He was bivocational, and he suffered perils that we could read about, and he listed those perils in writing of the church at Corinth, I think it was. He was a martyr. Nero had him beheaded. 
his dedication to Christ is noteworthy because he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. His conversion is legend on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus as Saul of Tarsus. And he asked those two questions, who art thou, Lord, and what wilt thou have me to do? And I think those are two questions that are still relevant for us today. Who are you? We need to know who he is. Know him as deeply as we can possibly know anyone. And we must also be willing to say in service of him, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? Of all the testimonies that we can read that Paul wrote about himself, uh, I think the one found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, says it well. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It's very interesting to me about the Apostle Paul. We know he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. There's no question about that. And while we do not have a timeline of the Apostle Paul's life, his spiritual journey, we do know that subsequent to his Damascus Road experience, something more happened in his life. So much so that he made that statement, and it's a personal testimony as far as I'm concerned, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where he says, I've not only met Jesus, I met him on the road to Damascus, but now I want you to know I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he not only met Jesus, he also testified to having been crucified with Jesus. And I believe there's a distinct difference in the two. Uh, he was a complex man, a man of self-respect, not arrogant, but a, had a positive self-image. He was a man of educational stature. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel which was the Asbury of his day, I think we could say, uh, a man of integrity. He supported himself, a man who had a sense of responsibility. He, he cared about the, the churches. He would send uh, those who worked with him to check on his churches as concerned about. It. He was a man of emotion, a man of anger. Uh, you remember how he wrote to Philemon about the servant Onesimus, receive him as a brother in Christ. But he also got very angry with the church of Galatia. Uh, when they were trying to impose the law on the gospel. He was a man of nostalgia, a man of sentimentality. He said, I fought a good fight. Uh, my dad uh, was a great preacher, as some of you know. And I can remember my dad talking about the final moments of, of the Apostle Paul when he was sitting in that uh, prison cell. And he envisioned it like this. He said, uh, can you imagine Paul is writing to Timothy? And uh, Timothy, my hour has come. And there's a knock on the door and it's the jailer saying, Paul, time has come. And he says, could you give me just a few minutes? Let me finish this. And then he writes, I have fought a good fight, Timothy. I have kept the faith. He was a man of nostalgia, sentimentality, a man with persuasive appeal, no question about that. He was a man of introspection. I do the things that I shouldn't do. Who shall deliver me? So it, we can all identify with this man, Paul. He was a man who was willing to die to save Israel. But of all the things we can say about the Apostle Paul, I think it's summed up when he wrote the letter to the church, or when he let, wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. In chapter 1, verse 1, he said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. 
If we have one verse, one feature, one characteristic of the Apostle Paul that transcends all the other descriptions about the man, I think this is the one that transcends all the other qualities of the Apostle Paul. He could have introduced himself as a world traveler. He could have introduced himself as a man of education, a missionary statesman. But instead, he just simply said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. He considered himself nothing more than a servant. And before we, us, before we, we are anything else, before I'm an evangelist, before you're an educator, before you're a missionary, before we are anything else, we're servants. If we ever lose the servant mentality, we must stop and we must take an account of what we are supposed to be and what God would have us to be. Paul could have used five different Greek words to uh, describe or use for the word servant, but he used the word doulos, and that simply means I'm a slave, but not just a slave. I'm a love slave who serves the interest of his master. And the love slave's bond to the master can only be broken by death, according to the Old state, Old Testament. Love the Old Testament uh, story of how a Hebrew could, would have a slave, but they had to set the slave free at the end. Uh, what was it? Seven years, six years, seven years. And, but apparently if the slave did not want to be set free, he could stay with his master. And if that was the case, then the master had the responsibility of taking him down to the judge and letting the wishes of the slave be known to the judge. And then the judge would say, all right, uh, of course, this is all uh, my conversation, but this is basically what was going on. You, are you sure you want to be a love slave for life? And the slave would say yes. And then the judge would take an awl, which is a pointed instrument, and he would pierce the ear of that love slave. Not like you ladies pierce your ears. This, this is a hole. Put a hole big enough in that slave's ear so that when somebody saw that slave, they knew it made a choice to be a love slave for life. And that was the Apostle Paul. He was a servant. He was a love slave. And I don't know about you today. I want that to characterize my life. I want to be a servant. And I do it because I love him. Because he first loved me. Father, thank you so much. For Paul, the example, what we learn from his writings, this great book of Philippians, we thank you for all that we glean from it about Paul and about that congregation. And I pray that all of us, as we go throughout this day and this week, we would remember, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And may we live that servanthood out in a way that pleases you. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lane, for that encouraging word. Thank you for stopping by and giving us a listen. I want to remind you that all the sessions from our Hemlock in Retreat this past summer, they are all now live on our podcast. So make sure you go back. I know they're a bit longer than normal. 
but do yourself a favor, make sure you go back and give those a listen. You can also find the videos of those sessions on our YouTube page. Just search the Francis Asbury Society on YouTube and you'll find the Hemlock in Retreat playlist there. And we're, again, just so grateful for that, uh, that experience we had with the spirit there at Hemlock. Well, thanks for stopping by. Make sure you give us uh, a review and uh, share this with friends and family. Help us keep spreading this good word. See you next time.